This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything electric. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel. So whether it be cars, bikes, boats or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. Today, we're focusing on the Electric Vehicle Experience Centre. Based in Milton Keynes, the centre is dedicated to educating people about the benefits of making the switch to electric and even provides a wide range of test drive packages, allowing anyone who hasn't driven an EV before to get behind the wheel and give it a go. Joining us on the podcast today is Lewis Bartor, the Assistant Manager of the EV Experience Centre. Lewis, welcome to the podcast and good to be talking with you today. Just to start, I just wanted you to explain what the EV Experience Centre is and what its mission statement is. Yeah. Okay, so the Electric Vehicle Experience Centre was set up back in 2017. Um, it was through um, the Department for Transport and at the time the Office of Low Emission Vehicles Go Ultra Low Cities programme. So uh, Milton Keynes Council over a number of years had spent uh, their own money and uh, grant money on getting a lot of charges installed in and around Milton Keynes and they'd reached a point where they'd they could see the the use of the chargers. They could see the um, the sales of plug-in vehicles uh, across Milton Keynes, and they weren't seeing the growth uh, by just putting the chargers in the ground. So, they came up with the scheme of the Experience Center, where the idea is to show the infrastructure and the vehicles that you would use to go alongside the infrastructure. A big kind of education piece around helping uh, the adoption rates. So they've set a, a target, it's 22% of all new vehicles um, sold in the in and around the Milton Keynes area to be uh, plug-in vehicles by uh, the end of the, the project in uh, 2022. So it's quite an ambitious target. And Milton Keynes does tend to track twice the kind of national average. Uh, it kind of ebbs and flows and it's a bit complicated here in Milton Keynes because there's a lot of uh, head office um, for major car companies and they register a lot of vehicles in Milton Keynes so it gets very complicated having to try and strip all of those that data out of it um, but yeah the it, it's about get the experience centre is about getting bums in seats really so um, prior to the pandemic we would have been offering 20 minute company chest drives in all of the vehicles so very similar to uh, going to a dealership However, uh, there's a zero sales environment, realistically, uh, for us at the Experience Centre. Can't sell you a vehicle. Um, so it's, we're also trying to be multi-brand. So the way that the centre works is that uh, the, we will talk about any and all makes and models of, of cars. We've got a lot of experience driving uh, a lot of different things. However, the ones that we have physically within the centre or um, outside for, for various drives are the what we call partner manufacturers with the centre. So those uh, manufacturers partner directly with the centre, uh, they financially contribute to the running costs of, of the centre and then that basically means that we then purchase vehicles from them 
um, and that's the vehicles that we have on hand at the centre. And one of the main things we do with the vehicles are the longer experiences. So you can take a vehicle away from us starting at two days, um, uh, essentially an overnight loan uh, for just £30. And it's flexible up to an eight-day, seven-night loan for £120. So that's really designed to try and let somebody take a vehicle away um, under their own steam without having to have you know a sales or, or a guru person in the car with them at the, at the same time you know take it on your commuting routes you know do the school run um, you know go and see some friends go see some family see what it would actually be like to live with an EV day in day out and that's at the moment that's kind of the big push in the center is, is is for those longer experiences while we've kind of got the shorter drives on hold um because of uh sort of the tail end of the the covid procedures i suppose just on the subject of those partners just walking through the showroom this morning i saw you've got the skoda enyaq in the Vauxhall e corsa and the renault zoe so what manufacturers have you currently got in your fleet and who else have you worked with in the past? Okay, so um, at the moment, it's probably the best place to start. At the moment, we're working uh, with Renault. We're working with Volkswagen. Uh, we're working with Vauxhall. Um, uh, and we're working with Skoda. Uh, have I missed anyone? That'd be bad if I did that. would be bad if I missed anyone. So Audi is, we had a short partnership um, with them and we're just about to kind of renew that. But it's kind of, it's been a bit on a on a slight hiatus. There's been a sort of a, a grey area in between where it came, uh, where it didn't get, it didn't get renewed quick enough, uh, basically. And, and so it's going to restart. So um, yeah, at the moment, so yeah, with Renault, we deal with the, uh, the old Zoe 40 and the current, the new one, the, the Zoe 50. Uh, with Volkswagen, we're dealing uh, with, we're still dealing with the uh, e-Golf because um, there's a lot of interest in second-hand cars. Um, we've got the, the newer generation e-Up um, and we're dealing with the, the their flagship ID3 and ID4 models. Like you say, Skoda have just come on board, so we're dealing with the ENIAC. We've got the 60 and the 80 variants of that. Um, so that you know there's a car for car for any everyone potentially with Vauxhall um Vauxhall's relatively uh, new to us of this year as well and um, so we started off dealing with the the Corsa E and uh, more recently we've now started dealing with the with the Mocha E and yeah when um uh, Audi should be something that should be uh, launched within the next week or so um and we'll be dealing with the Q4 e-trons um, again, we've got them in, I think, the two battery variants. Um, and then we'll also be doing something with the standard e-tron and the e-tron Sportback. However, we're going to have much less of those vehicles. So I think it'll be more kind of display purposes and mm. we might book them on one-off kind of experiences. Otherwise, over the years, we've dealt with a lot of different partners um, at the centre. More recently, uh, our partnership with uh, BMW and Mini uh, came to uh, came to an end. They didn't opt to renew into the uh, the last year of the partnership. Um, otherwise, uh, previously we've worked with Nissan, Kia, Mitsubishi. Uh, we did a short uh, six month trial with uh, Volvo as well. Um, yeah, just on that, and I know you have to be a little bit impartial when you have so many different manufacturers on display, but. 
out of all of the different EVs you've had in, what have been some of your favourites? And are you actually allowed to take them out and have a go in them yourselves? Or- yeah, I mean, so the, the idea really for all of the staff here in the centre is is to have uh, a broad overview um, and have a lot of experience in, in different vehicles. So uh, the way that it always works here at the centre is that when we get new vehicles in, um, we tend uh, we tend to kind of keep hold of them for a short period of time. So sometimes it's uh, it sometimes it's like contract based uh, things, but otherwise, if if we already have a running partnership with a car manufacturer, we will actually receive the vehicles a little bit ahead of when we will actually launch them. And the idea will be to cycle the vehicles through the whole team so that everybody gets a chance to to drive them. Uh, you know, have a play with uh, you know all the all the various buttons and bits and bobs um, and. And yeah, and have a go as a team of trying to do kind of semi long range testing on them so that we get an idea of what kind of actual ranges we're going to get out of the vehicles. Um, and then a lot of us will make efforts to drive things outside of um, the partnerships that, that, that we've got. Um, I'm a bit behind at the moment. There's a couple of things on my list that I want to make uh, an effort to go to dealerships to drive. Um, and there were some things that I was pl- that I had planned in to drive um, before various lockdown procedures, and it's all been kind of cancelled. So I need to need to catch up with those things. Um, but in terms of your favourites, I mean, if you if you don't want to name any names, that's absolutely fine. But if you were to just handpick a couple that you really did like, yeah, I mean, I I I really like I really like the ID platform um, from Volkswagen. The ID three is 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 quite a favourite of of mine. Um, the the bigger the ID four I think is kind of for me personally anyways it is a bit is a bit too much car um, so the ID three is kind of the the perfect the perfect size and I, I think it's really great in the fact that you've got the three different battery sizes to pick from so if you wanted to do ID three on a budget you could do and if you wanted to do ID three on like high mileage then then you know there's that and there's obviously the kind of the in between point as well. Uh, I mean, otherwise, it's difficult not to mention Renault and the Zoe's, as I am personally on my third Renault Zoe now. Um, so, um, yeah, always got a, a soft spot, spot really for for the Zoe, in the fact that it's it's really difficult to beat the Zoe kind of pound for pound for range and, and value for money and and what and what you get with the Zoe. Um, the new one you know we say does 190 or also kind of real world miles you often see advertisers that do, are doing more than that you, you can achieve more than that and i think for for what renault want with it and the fact that normally you're never really paying the list price for a zoe there's always all sorts of kind of deals and bundles and uh, um, dealer contributions to it that's uh it, it yeah it makes it difficult to beat um but i mean otherwise uh it, it, it was nice when we had Volvo for a short period of time. However, the vehicles that we were dealing with at the time were plug-in hybrids, but mm. um, it kind of, it, you can, I know they like to completely separate themselves out from Polestar and, 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 and that kind of stuff, but you can definitely, you can definitely see where it's evolved from, from those cars, yeah. the plug-in hybrids, um, uh, like, you know, very much like the S90 to what the Polestar 2 is, uh, nowadays There's so so many vehicles driven driven over the years uh, both evs and plug-in hybrids um that, you know it's difficult to, it's difficult to pick out
I mean, one of my favourites was actually one I test drove from you guys a few months back, and that was the Mini Electric, and it was it was such a fun car to drive. It might not have been the most practical, but honestly, I had just so much fun driving that car. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we all really enjoyed having the Minis here at the centre, like you say. It's it's a it's a it's a, it's an iconic car, um, and it's great that they've that they've electrified it. It's it it hits a relatively aggressive price point. Um, within the mini range as well which is which is great um it's like you say it's it's not a massive high miler car but as a a three-door kind of hot hatch it's probably not something that you're going to be driving to scotland and back like like regularly um and it'll be interesting to see how kind of mini kind of expand their range of of electrics as 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 the years go by and and whether at the moment um I think the the mini is held back ever so slightly by the fact that it's on a it's on a shared platform, mm. um, so it loses kind of some design efficiencies. But obviously, what mini gain is the fact that it's produced on the same production line as the as the as the standard Cooper S, and that's what allows them to hit like their aggressive price point with it. Yeah, and now just to move on quickly, one thing I did want to touch on is the fact that the EV Experience Centre is located almost smack bang in the middle of Centre MK, one of the biggest shopping centres in the country. And so I suppose that location is completely different to any other car showroom on an industrial park or in a retail park. So what do you see as some of the biggest benefits of being located right in the middle of a shopping centre? So, yeah, the, it, it, we are. it's great to be where we are, really, because what the, one of the main benefits that we get is kind of is increased footfall, really. In, in, the, in the situation that the centre is, in, in the fact that we are just trying to educate as many people as possible, um, if we were just on, uh, you know, on a... Uh, next to a, a car dealership in a in an industrial estate or on some kind of retail park, realistically, the the main footfall traffic that you would have would be that people specifically coming to see you, mm. or somebody going to the building next door, whether that be an actual car dealership or whether it be some other kind of large retail unit, and then just kind of chancing, kind of popping popping their head in, you know, while next door to you. The great thing that we have here in Centre MK. Um, is that it's one of the uh, shopping centres within the within the UK that seems to be bucking the trend of um, people moving away from the high street. Uh, there's a lot of um, big name brands uh, here in, in Centre MK and they're never, whenever a unit kind of goes empty, they're never really short of kind of filling it. We're not getting ourselves in the situation that you see some other shopping centres where certain areas start to turn into a bit of a ghost area whereby units sit empty for large periods of time um, it, it means that you get a lot of people who just walk past the front of the center and then come in just based on what the, they can see mm. and then you, uh, oh, you know, window shopping yeah, yeah. window shopping that i would probably say the vast majority of people that we speak to um, day in day out at the moment are just pe- random passers by that have come in and then that's like a real good opportunity for us to um, you know find out where someone's knowledge base is about EVs um, and just you know we're not trying to we're not trying to hard sell it or you know you know really like preach it I suppose it's it, it's just trying to give um, people like the base knowledge and and if one of the main things is trying to see if they've got any kind of false uh, misconception any misconceptions about it in general in which we can try and sort of know that's that's not the case you know it's actually x y and z um and 
just trying to leave somewhat leave uh, let people leave with a little bit more knowledge when then they then they came in so that when it is relevant for them to start thinking about changing vehicles or um, or going down the electrification route they've got us in the back of the mind or they've got that extra bit of information that we gave them yeah just off the back of that and I know that obviously you talk about that footfall and whilst you are obviously going to get people coming in that are interested in EVs I suppose you are also going to get those people that haven't really bought into electric cars yet and are, say, not the most accepting towards them. So do you still get many of those encounters now? It's quite it's quite interesting over the years. I mean, when we first opened the centre back in 2017, I felt like kind of a large proportion of my conversations were slightly argumentative um, and that we were dealing with a lot more people who would um, either had false information or kind of very... Um, steadfast in their views of the fact that it wasn't going to work or it doesn't work uh, and things like that. The public over the last couple of years um, seem to have become a lot more accepting of it. Uh, there's a lot more better information um, out there. Um, and I think it's a lot of it now is kind of starting to be kind of, I suppose, like word of mouth and, and just kind of general, um, general acceptance of it. So, you know, as more of, you know, as more of your friends... And, and family and colleagues and things like that start going down the the electric route you kind of it, it kind of starts setting off in the back of your mind you know if if they can do it you know why can't I do it and you know if they're doing it and they're making it work then potentially some of the things that I've you know read or heard about it maybe aren't you know 100% accurate you know I think people always there's a natural you don't want to miss out on something and you know if, if 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 more and more people on your street are starting to to have have uh, vehicles with cables uh, you know out the back of them plugged into the front of the house it's a uh, is starting to become quite a good visual thing for people. Yeah, and I mean, especially in Milton Keynes, because even driving through, you can see it's become sort of a hub for electric vehicles. You see loads of EVs on the roads and loads of different charging points, which is completely the opposite to where I'm from. I mean, I'm based in Northamptonshire and it's a bit of a desert for public chargers, really. So I suppose if you live and work in Milton Keynes, because you're seeing so much to do with EVs, you don't really see any reason why you can't own one and you can't make the switch. In Milton Keynes, because like you say, so much charging infrastructure and, and we've got it in um we've got it in all its different forms, I suppose. Like here in central Milton Keynes there's there's a lot of the um often referred to as as the fast chargers, but the seven kilowatt um, you know, kind of destination chargers whereby you're plugging in because it's convenient for you. Um and then as you start going out from, from central Milton Keynes, that's where you start seeing um a large distribution of, of rapid chargers. Uh, Milton Keynes is uh it's a is a is a gridded system and it's kind of got very kind of americanized uh, style roads to it and um what what the council um has tried to do is that they've tried to uh, install rapid charges in each kind of estate best they can and the idea is is to try and help people um, with different types of housing i suppose um, whereby you might not have access to off-street parking, a driveway, a garage, whereby you can have home charger installed. The council doesn't want that to be a barrier to you going electric. 
Um, and I can I can attest to that. Only uh, this year have I actually moved into uh, a property that has a, a driveway, and I can have a home charger installed. So um, for the last four plus years or so that I've, I've, I've been driving electric and I was driving electric before uh, before the centre existed, um, I've only ever um, charged my vehicle on public charging infrastructure. So um, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily for everyone. But if- Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to ask, how, how did you find that? Because that's seen as sort of one of the biggest barriers to EV adoption. And so you're actually quite an interesting case study for that. And so you're saying it wasn't really the easiest. You have to adjust your mindset and you have to adjust uh, the way that you go about doing things. So it was definitely a learning curve because back when I I, I would say that I was in the kind of the early adopter group. Um, And back then there was kind of less information out there. You know, there weren't bodies like ourselves set up to kind of help people and and to give you all the information that's that's required. so when I first started doing it, I wasn't necessarily doing it in the right way. I was very lucky in the way that um, about a 10 minute or so walk away from my flat, um, they uh, dug up one of the local car parks and installed two rapid chargers there. And that's what actually um, prompted me to go and, uh, and mm. get my first Zoe. Um, Otherwise, I had looked at it prior to that and I'd kind of decided that it was going to be potentially too difficult without the ability to charge at home. Mm. And at the time, there wasn't any ability for me to charge at my, at my previous place of work either. So it was kind of like, well, that's that's a bit difficult. But yeah, uh, further down the line, then uh, two rapid chargers got installed in a car park not too far away from me. And when I first got the Zoe, I was still kind of in the mindset of, of combustion and fuel. And what I used to do is that I would run the car down until it was relatively low. And then I'd start thinking about charging. But the, big, the big charge, yeah. Yeah, the kind of, you know, what you do with petrol and diesel, you, you run it down until you're going to, you know, meaningfully fill it up, fill it up with fuel. And that's kind of the same way that I was kind of operating the Zoe to begin with. But I was sort of coming unstuck a little bit whereby then if something came up that was unplanned um, it meant that um, I didn't have enough charge to potentially do what I needed to do and I'd have to maybe start a journey um, with a charge um, and things like that so as time went on it then became clear that if this was the scenario that I was going to be in where I wasn't charging at home actually the best way to do it is to kind of charge little and often Mm. take the opportunities where you can take them uh, of charging and it was a lot of um, just getting savvy about where the points are where they are in relation to places that I would go planning plan it you, you do you know would be lying if, if I sat here and said that driving an EV didn't require and you know a bit of an extra level of planning to, to combustion but it was about like you know if I'm going to be somewhere for for a couple of hours instead of parking my car right there can I park my car two minutes five minute walk down the road and while while it's stationary can it get some charge so that I don't have to particularly go out of my way to find a charge and that's what that's what you want to do all the time is you don't want you want to be limiting the times where you're just sat in the car twiddling your thumbs waiting it waiting for it to charge you want to try and be combining your charging um uh, you know with work um with so with you know social and, and things like that um i made a 
uh, a lot of use of charging while um, watching films at the cinema was 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 quite a handy one. Um, quite luck, quite lucky in Milton Keynes to to have the chargers in 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 good in good positions. But otherwise, for the for the vast majority of people who would be able to to charge at home, uh, realistically, you probably find that you're going to do eighty odd percent of your of your charging. Um, you know, probably at home, and it's going to be few and far between. Whereby you're actually going to have to kind of, I suppose plan or do that extra level level of planning talk to so many people um, in the center who have had evs for a number of years and they actually come in to ask us about public charging infrastructure because they haven't made any use of it at all and they're just get kind of getting to the stage whereby you know they want to maybe stretch their legs and go a little bit further afield than, than they have been going and and that's where they start to want to know about uh, you know, public charging infrastructure. Yeah, I just wanted to to go back to when we were talking about the people that walk by and pop in to find out more about EVs. And because you are in such a busy shopping centre with so many different demographics, so I just wanted to know if you've noticed a sort of a generational difference in those that are interested in EVs and those that are not. Because I think one of the beliefs out there about EVs is that they for the, they're for the younger generation and the older generation just don't want to know but is that something you've noticed or is that a misconception in itself um i think you're always going to have people on the fence in any kind of like demographic i suppose but yeah we see a lot of we see a lot of interest um from the from the younger generation i mean even to even to the point of um you know we have a lot of a lot of kids will come in and a lot of teenagers will will come in and, and and they're interested about it and you know people learning to drive will come in and they're like oh you know i'd really like my first car to 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 be an ev and it, it's really interesting because we're starting to we're starting to get to that point where because there's vehicles available um second hand um that you could potentially um as a young new driver you could end up in a second-hand EV um, as a first car, and you could potentially never drive combustion, and that's that's a that's a real interesting kind of kind of shift, um, you know. Um, but it's quite funny. I, I suppose we we see a lot of in, interest at both ends of the scale as well. Definitely the the older generation are very interested in EVs as well. They. they they're potentially um, at a point in their life whereby they're not doing as much driving as they used to be. They don't need to be doing the longer, the longer routes. Um, they they it's doing a lot of you know um, shorter shorter journeys, um, and that's where people then see that potentially that uh, they can see some benefits by by switching to EV. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of um, there's still a lot of people who are kind of clinging to that that petrol head mentality. But you know that's where we then challenge people to you know have a go in an EV and you know challenge that that conception that that a petrol car is is going to be more fun than an EV. I mean that's exactly what happened with my dad. I mean in the the last episode of the podcast, I put him behind the wheel of an ID three because he'd never experienced an electric car before, but he had all these question marks and concerns over them, but even after driving it around for half an hour, it completely changed his mind about electric vehicles. So I suppose what you're doing here at the EV Experience Centre is sort of, is perfectly designed for changing that mindset, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, that's the whole priority of the centre, realistically. Um, 
uh, at the moment, like I say, we our 20 minute test drives are on hold. So that used to be a real kind of winner for us. If, if I was stuck in a conversation with someone um, and they were kind of a bit on the fence, you know, my go-to would be like, well, you know, let, let's just go out you know go outside and, and have a spin around the block in it you know i'm not gonna i can't sell you the car like let's just have a go drive drive the ev for five or ten minutes and see how nice it is to drive one um potentially compared to what you're what you're driving at the moment and you know uh my my kind of favorite section of of customers um in the center are 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 the are the new drivers who haven't who haven't ever driven an EV before, um, and we you know we're giving them a, a a vehicle out for a longer experience. Those are kind of my, those are kind of my favourite people because you know that they're they're going to get to experience EV for for the first time, and not a day re- realistically goes by that somebody doesn't return a vehicle to us and then kind of kind of bemoans having to get back into their their, mm. their, their normal car. Yeah, just to touch on that for a second, and I'm not asking for any specific facts or figures here, but in the time you've worked at the EV Experience Centre, which I think you said you started in 2017, what's been the sort of success rate of those that have tried an EV for the first time and are now converted? And do you get any people that sort of come away from an experience where they've hated driving it at all? It's it's very rare that somebody doesn't like actually driving an EV. Like that's normally we would normally describe it as like driving an EV is kind of quite transformative, mm-hmm. um, because you'll hear a lot of people uh, you'll hear a lot of people talk about um, the green aspects of driving EV and the, and the money that can be saved. But you'll also hear you know an overwhelming amount of people will just say that they. Um, take all of those things aside that they prefer to drive an EV um, mm. over 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 combustion and and that rings that rings true for me as well like you know one of the the major factors is, is just is is the actual driving experience which means that I would I would I would never I would never go back even if you told me that 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 petrol uh, was going to be um, somehow cheaper or better value for money and that somehow it it it, it was it was green um, it would it would still be the the you know the smooth and and quiet and the way that an an EV um, has its kind of you know linear delivery of 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 power with with kind of no interrupt it's it's all of it's all of those things that make the make the driving experience so nice by by comparison to combustion. To be honest, that's exactly the same for me because I've been driving different electric vehicles every week, but. At the moment, I've got a courtesy car and they've given me a manual petrol and making the jump back has been horrible. And again, I mean, even my dad was exactly the same when he took the ID3 back and he had to get back into his Tiguan. He wished it was automatic and he wished it was quieter. So I think from what I've experienced anyway, once you go electric, it seems like you don't tend to go back. No, I think for some people, it's just about finding the EV that is right for them and mm. suits them and is on you know their kind of budget so i think people i don't think anybody really is ever that they don't think kind of ev in general will work for them it's more that sometimes uh, people will experience a certain vehicle with us and they'll say it's you know it's lovely it's great love the way it drives but potentially that vehicle isn't the one f- for them yeah. to, to buy uh, and you know, uh, and have kind of long term. So, it, yeah, I think it's it is 
it's very rare to have somebody um, have somebody and then they just completely like dismiss it after after driving I think it's it's more about you know okay I, I need x y and z um, set up you know or um, I'm not going to be able to charge at home so I need to kind of I need to explore my my options yeah. and, and think you know or I need one that's I need an EV that's slightly bigger or I need an EV that goes a bit further or something like that okay great and now just to finish, seeing as you work for the EV Experience Centre, I thought the most appropriate way to end this podcast was to ask you to sum up an EV experience as best as you can. So in your opinion and in, say, like a couple of sentences, what is driving an electric vehicle like for someone who has never driven one before? An EV is going to be the best automatic car that you've ever driven. Um, it, it's going to be the smoothest car that you've ever driven it's going to be the quietest car you've ever driven it's it's going to be um it's potentially going to be like one of the nippiest cars that you've ever driven i use the word nippy kind of you know to refer to that kind of that 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 initial punch um from it um they're great for they're great for city driving where you might be in a lot of start stop situations all the time you might be having to pull out um um you know into traffic you might have to you know jump onto a roundabout jump at, at traffic lights things like that but similarly they, they, they're great for just doing the the longer mileage as well whereby yeah like I say you've got that smooth and, and quiet feel to it which just you know makes uh, makes longer journeys kind of you know less um, less draining I think or you know less in less intensive um, I just encourage anybody that hasn't driven one to give it a go um, and just challenge you to not enjoy it, um, and yeah, that it should be it should be transformative because, you know, all every and every time anybody gets a new car, new petrol or diesel, there's not really anything that's poten- potentially changed. There's there's nothing groundbreaking. There's nothing different um, from you know one petrol or diesel to the next. Whereas yeah, move, moving to moving to electric is just it's just a whole other world. That's all for this episode. Many thanks for listening. And if you liked this podcast, please do go back and check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released. For daily news coverage, features and much more, you can also head over to evpower.co.uk. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of the Everything EV podcast.